Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I am your host, Jonathan Romero, and we are in Ephesians chapter 5 today. So we are getting to the end of it. We're, we're almost through Ephesians, but we still have a lot to go. We're in chapter 5, beginning chapter 5, and we're going to be talking a lot about love and walking in love, uh, being imitators of God. Because that's what uh, the verse 1 in chapter 5 begins with. Uh, but before we do that, let's begin in verse 17 of chapter 4. Uh, so that we may gain context of what Paul is saying in his letter. Um, he's mentioning how we are made new. We are a new creature. Now this is the new life, right? So this is what it says in verse 17 of chapter 4. And I'm going to read it all the way through chapter 5, verse 2. The Word of God says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, 
like I said, we're going to be focusing on verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 today. Um, so let me reread verse 1, and this is what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So, again, I've stressed this enough, but I'm going to keep stressing it. Every time there is a therefore, uh, what happened before, what was said before is vitally important. And what did Paul say? Well, this is the new life. Lay aside the old self, put that away, put it to death. He no longer exists. She no longer exists. And now you are made new in Christ. So this is your new life. And this is how you should act now, right? We shouldn't act like we used to in our past life. That person's dead. Now we are a new person. We are a new creature. And he says, therefore, be imitators of God, right? And the word imitators from the Greek is mimites, uh, which translates to imitator. And this is what it means. A person who copies the behavior and or actions of another, right? So in a way, we are to reflect that which is of God and what would classify as godly, right? We are called uh, to be holy for God is holy, right? Uh, we are to love as Christ loved us. And all these attributes, and we see um, these virtues are a good thing. And it is this, it is our love for our neighbor and our love for God uh, that the outsiders will see that we are truly of God, that we are disciples of Christ, right? Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 16 through 23. This is what it says. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So now our desires have changed, right? As a new creature, now we want to do what is right. But there is a battle within us. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that's what it's saying here. Listen to what it says in verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, that means you are following the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of, this, of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So basically what's being said here is, here are a list of things that are works of the flesh. And if I forgot anything, and things like these. So anything else that would classify as works of the flesh, considering what has already been said. And then it says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. So here's the contrast. This is what should be named among us as believers now. This is what uh, is being said in Galatians. Listen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen to what it says in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Right? Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So what we are to do as believers, we are to imitate God. And here is a list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We must show love, joy. We must have joy because we have the greatest joy of all, and that's knowing God intimately. Then it says peace. We have peace, and we have been shown peace because the wrath of God was on us, and now because of Christ and Him sacrificing Himself for our sake, we have peace with God. His wrath is no longer on us. Patience. God shows us patience. And lots of us uh, struggle with patience. A lot of times we want things now. We want things to happen uh, the way we want it to happen and uh, in the time we want it to happen. But we must learn uh, to practice patience. Also kindness. How we... Uh, how we act towards others, how we are kind to others if we are kind. And if we're not being kind, if we're being rude or mean, um, it, you're just showing, actually, you're, you're showing a kind of fruit that is not of the Spirit. Now you're, you're showing your flesh that should have been put to death long ago, right? When we don't practice kindness, when we don't practice goodness, right? God is good. And all good things come from the Father of lights, who is in heaven, right? Anything that is good comes from God. Faithfulness, right? God shows us his faithfulness uh, through his promises. Now, I'm not saying that we must make promises because as uh, still in the flesh, right? We're still being renewed. Uh, we're going to fail uh, when we make promises, so we must be really careful in how uh, we practice our faithfulness, but we must put others before ourselves. And that's how we can become faithful to others, right? Meet the other people's needs. Meet other brothers and sisters' needs, right? At this point, your needs do not matter right now. Your wants do not matter right now. What matters is your brothers and sisters. Uh, you were called uh, to carry each other's burdens. So go and see what is going on with your brothers and sisters' lives that you may be able to uh, be faithful in bringing them up in prayer. And then it says gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, right? So these are the this is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what we must be practicing in our lives. This is what we must be showing in our lives. Because we are to be imitators of God as beloved children. Right? So beloved children of God will be imitators of God. Right? Any fathers out there that have children, they want to be like daddy. They want to be 
like their father. They want to do things like their father, imitate their father. Um, there's many videos, right? Cute videos of little babies or little children uh, acting and maybe even dressing like their dad. And they, they act like them. They love their dad. They love their father and they want to please them. So as beloved children, we will be imitators of God, right? The Spirit of God will start producing fruit within us. And now, once we are practicing patience and love and kindness and gentleness and meekness and self-control, we now know that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. We are to grow into the likeness of Christ. And the way that happens is through our knowledge of God. See, the more we know God intimately, the more we want to imitate him because we are his children. We are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, right? As Paul said. And then it says in verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 5, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave, him, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. <clears throat> so here, we are called to walk in love, right? We're no longer walking in the desires of the flesh, but now we are walking, being led by the Spirit of God. And through this walking, through this lifestyle, we are walking in love. And here's the, here's the thing. As Christ loved us. Right? So that's how we are to walk. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 10. This is what it says. Romans 5, 8. But God shows us his love. Shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we were saved from God's wrath. Verse 10. For God, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So you see this contrast that God loved us that much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the weak. And that's what God did. And listen to what it says in verses 20 and 25 of Romans chapter 4. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as God gave glory to as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, 
who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised us for our justification. So you see, Christ was delivered up for our trespasses. So when we continue reading of verse 2 as, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's the giving himself up for us. What was that? To save us, to make us children of God, to glorify him, right? To glorify himself. And then continues in saying a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here we're going to be in many portions of Hebrews because I believe Hebrews explains this really well in Jesus Christ being the high priest, he's been his sacrifice being uh, forever fully satisfied the first time, right? There is no need to sacrifice again and again and again as uh, many people do. How do they do that? Well, through mass, right? The Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, they, whenever they have the Lord's Supper, they call Jesus back into the bread. They call Jesus' blood back into the cup. And then they break the bread and they pour out uh, the contents of the cup. And they drink it as Christ's blood. And they eat the bread as Christ's body, literal body. But in Scripture, we are told that we are to do that in remembrance of him. And he even gave the example whenever he was with the disciples and he says, this is my body, and then he broke it. He wasn't speaking literally that that is his body because he was there breaking the bread. It was bread and wine. But that's on another discussion. Here we see in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. Uh, this is what it says. He has no need like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then those for those of the people, since he did not, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. Right? So that's what happened. Christ gave himself up for us. And this was a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God that was pleasing to God. Because here it says once for all, right? Then if we continue reading in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, listen to what it says. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So you see what happened there? How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Without blemish to God. So this why this is why Christ was the perfect sacrifice. So there is no need for another. There's no need for a second Christ and a third Christ because the first one, the first sacrifice was enough to please the Lord, to appease his wrath from his people of whom Jesus died for. And then we continue reading in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 through 12. This is what it says. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. 
He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So you see what happened here when Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross and he rose from the grave. He sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean? That means he has completed that which he has come to do when he first came to earth. And that is save his people. That is complete. That is done. Now, the call of the gospel is to come to Christ humbly, repenting from your sins and turning to Christ, this Christ, for your sins, that he may cover your sins, that he may protect you uh, from the evil one, because he will, because that's what it says here, that it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus he has completed his work. He is sitting down. He is completed. He is resting, right? There is no need to be on stand by just in case uh, something else happens. No, it's completed and done. He has conquered the grave because he rose from the grave. He is the firstborn among the dead, meaning he is the first one to rise from the dead to never die again, right? So he was that single sacrifice, and that's why we are to walk in love just as Christ loved us. Remember what we read in Romans. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means there is nothing in us that causes God uh, to want to save us. No, he saved us in spite of our uh, sin, our transgression against him. We were God haters. We didn't want God we don't want to do anything with God, but Christ still died for us. And he says, I will make you a child of God. And he does. Every time he saves anybody, he saves them completely. And that happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. He died for every single person that would ever believe upon him for the salvation of their souls. So, that's why we must be imitators of God because we are made his children. We are beloved children. And beloved children of God will be imitators of him. And then in verse 2, and walk in love. Live in this lifestyle of love. Right? There is one more passage I do want to go to. And that is found in 1 John chapter 3. Listen to what it says in verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will 
be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, <clears throat> because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, God shows us his love that he made us his children. And in scripture, we are given this example of sinning and how that shouldn't even be uh, named among us, meaning that shouldn't be part of us. Now, yes, we will fall into sin, but we don't want to sin. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God that is in us produces the fruit of the Spirit, right? No longer do we want to disobey Him, but now we want to obey Him. Verse 4 of that same chapter in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. That means you no longer want to keep sinning. You want to turn your back on that, repent from that. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. You see, this is a something we must really examine. Do you love God? Is God truly in you? Have you truly been born again? Because if you haven't, if you have not repented from your sins, if you're not turn to Christ for the salvation of your souls from the wrath of God as we read, then the call of the gospel is to believe in it now while you're still alive because we don't know how long we have. We don't know how long we will live. We must recognize and understand that, yes, God is sovereign, but also his wrath tarries, meaning you can continue on sinning and it may seem like God is not doing anything about it, but just know that God's wrath is being stirred up so that when he does return, the wrath of God will finally be unleashed upon you if you have not believed in Christ. The call of the gospel is to turn away from your sins. Acknowledge that you have transgressed against the Lord, uh, that you wanted it your way and not God's way. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he is faithful to forgive. God does forgive and he has forgiven us in Christ. So believe in him and trust in him and you will be saved. You see, this life isn't going to be lollipops and rainbows, right? There's going to be trials in this life. But that's a good thing because that will grow us more into wanting to come to Christ in faith trusting in God. Our sanctification grows through our trials. And as we learn God's word, we understand the purpose of trials is to strengthen our faith. And Jesus prayed for us in John 17, and we see this example that the scripture, the word of God, is what's going to sanctify us. So the knowledge of God helps us know who God is, and his virtues and his attributes and how we are to reflect that. The more I know what to reflect, the more I will reflect because I'm a child of God. And that should be the attitude of every believer. So that is something to think about. And I would challenge you to reread Ephesians. Keep rereading God's word and meditate on it. 
ponder upon it and trust because we must believe the words that are written in Scripture because it is God-breathed, right? It is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the question would be, do you believe that? Do you believe God's word? Then trust in him and trust what he says in his word, that God's wrath abides in all of those who have not repented from their sins and turned to Christ for the salvation of their souls. But if you do, he is faithful to forgive. If you do, God will save you and perfect you. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. (laughs) 